Welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, September 29th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564, or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino, or follow us on Twitter at Weigh In Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, and welcome, everyone. Uh, We're excited tonight to bring you a lot of football talk, and not only football, but baseball is in the air. How are you doing, Mr. Patterson? Hey, man, what is going on? Yeah, you're right, man. Baseball playoffs uh, right around the corner, buddy. Well, I mean, you think, Trey, after playing 162 games, you would think we would would know, you know, the outcome of the playoffs, who was going to be in, but obviously not. I mean, we have a tie in the American League. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not settled yet. I mean, this is um, you know kind of crazy. This seems to happen with the wild card now. You know, with so many teams being tied, uh, you know, we're not done yet. Yeah, Tampa Bay will travel to Texas tomorrow night, and you know, you know who's going who they're going to put on the mound. Who Tampa's going to put on the mound, Trey? They're going to put their ace on the mound, David Price, going against Perez. Tell us real quick, before we even get into the show, who do you like making that second wild card? Well, you know, I, you know, I look at the the way teams played, and, you know, Tampa and Texas have played about the exact same over the last 10 to 20 games. But, you know, looking at this, this matchup, Perez, the rookie, uh, has pitched well, but kind of struggled down the stretch, uh, probably with an innings thing. You know, David Price, you got to go with the Cy Young guy in a, in a big clutch game. So, you know, I like I like Price stepping up to be a, a huge performer in this game, but my big question will be is will Tampa give him enough run? I'm going to go with Tampa uh, in a very tight ball game. Not a bad pick, Trey, and, and I'm with you. I really look at it. David Price is, is a Cy Young winner. Tampa Bay is going to come in there and win. They're going to play together. I think Tampa's favored minus 140 in this game on the road uh, over under seven and a half. So the experts out there are thinking that this is going to be a lower scoring game. You know how playoff games are. To me, Trey, this is the playoffs right here. This is a playoff oh. game. Whether it's, I mean, it's a playoff yeah. game. It's, I mean, it's do or die for these teams. So I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go out on a limb and pick David Price and Tampa to make it. And and that'll mean, you know, Tuesday night, I think they have to play again. So the winner of this game uh, has to play game one as wild card, so another elimination game. It's do or die for these two teams two nights in a row, possibly. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Both these teams have a long way to go just to even get to play, um, you know, the Boston. So, I mean, it's going to be, you know, a long road, especially if the Rays or Texas beat the Indians. Uh, then they have to go and be on the road against Boston, the best team in the American League. So, you know, the, this wild card is definitely not set up to be your advantage. You definitely want to win your division. But at the same time, you know, if you can get hot, I mean, you know, now's the time to do it. Yeah, speaking of speaking of hot, man, I think the Braves, you know, in the National League, they won their division, but they choked away home field advantage. They lost yesterday to Philadelphia while St. Louis is tearing the cover off the ball trade. My worst fear has come true that the Dodgers are coming into Atlanta, just not a very good matchup for the Atlanta Braves, Trey. It's just you look at the pitching of the Dodgers, and it's going to be tough for Atlanta to get out of this series. 
Well, I mean, Clayton Kershaw going game one, I mean, that is going to be, um, you know, I mean, I look at that as a loss for the Braves, and this is the team that I kind of worry about uh, if they get down, you know, in game one and get beat down by the Dodgers. I kind of think that this is a team that will struggle for me. Yeah, I, I think Atlanta, this game is huge. Medlin's on the mound in this game. This series starts Thursday night in Atlanta. It will be on, I believe, TBS. So this is an important game. If they can somehow uh, score enough runs to give Atlanta a win over Kershaw, if anybody can do it, Trey, the Atlanta Braves at home, I think they can rally something. Because one thing you have to know about the Braves, they will strike out a lot, but they can't hurt you with a long ball. So at any time you get a runner or two on, Trey, it could be a three-run uh, swing just like that. So, I think Atlanta has to be able to hit the long ball in this series and not strike out as much. I think they can beat Kershaw in game one. Well, you know, I'm not as optimistic about you as beating Kershaw. I think Kershaw, I mean, look at the guy. I mean, a sub-2 ERA, and, you know, for the season, we're talking about a guy who's been dealing 16 wins. He got no run support in the first half of the season, or he may have 25 wins. So, you know, I look at, I look at this game, Parvin, and I look at a, a huge advantage for the Dodgers. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't think so. I think I think game one's going to be Atlanta's game. I think they're going to come in there and find a way to win this game. I think if they lose, it's going to be tough in game one because you you turn around, you got another tough pitching matchup. So either way you go for Atlanta, you're going to have tough pitching matchups through this entire series. And I think they already have game two, uh, Grinky versus Minor in game two. So Grinky's a great pitcher as well. So the Dodgers on the road, their first two games in Atlanta, they're throwing their their two aces out there to see if they can they can jump on Atlanta 2-0. And Trey, if anybody can get down 0-2, looking at this pitching matchup, it is the Braves, really. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, the Braves are feast or famine. So, you know, you always like their chances against great pitchers because, you know, they get a guy on the walk and, you know, then up to her and bomb or whatever it is, and they're right back into a game. But, you know, gets a guy like Kershaw who doesn't give those up. I mean, Grinky's a better opportunity. Grinky hasn't been as sharp this year uh, missed time. So, you know, it's certainly this is the matchup that I think the Braves did not want, uh, and they played their way into. So, you know, I don't, I don't like this matchup for the Braves, Tarvin, at all. I think the Dodgers, um, this is a huge advantage for the Dodgers. Well, that's exactly why, Trey, they should have won last night. And they shouldn't lose to a sorry Phillies team knowing what's at stake. Even though they own the tiebreaker, they had to depend on someone else to lose, and that's exactly what happened. It would be so much better, Trey, playing the wild card after they use their aces, really, uh, to play game one and two in Atlanta. I think they could jump up to a 2-0 lead real quick. But this is going to be tough just to not get swept in this series, really. It's going to be tough because you're throwing your aces at Atlanta on the road right off the bat. But I don't think Atlanta's going to win in L.A. I just think that's a, a big home field advantage for the Dodgers. So even their third and fourth pitchers, I think, if they choose to go that route, I don't know if Kershaw's going to pitch one, four, and seven, Trey. I don't know if you know that yet. But I don't know. It's going to look bad for the Braves if they lose if they lose game one. So that's why we got to pull them through in this one. Another matchup that, that you would think – Detroit at Oakland, Verlander's pitching against Bartow Colon, which had a surprising season. Does Verlander have his stuff, Trey? He hasn't had it this year. He's really struggled. He's given up a lot of runs. His velocity's down. Are you worried about the Detroit Tigers going into this series against Oakland? 
Well, yeah, I mean, the Oakland, I mean, this is a team you know, I, I did not think would be here. Uh, and now, you know, this, they're the number two seed, and the Tigers are three. And, you know, if you look at um, the way that the Oakland Athletics finished this season, I mean, you have to be just impressed with, you know, the, the maturation of their pitchers and, and certainly their hitters. I mean, this team won 96 games, finished out Texas by, with a five-game lead, Tarvin, and they were 7-3 and three in their last 10. I mean, so, you know, they weren't the hottest team, but they were certainly very consistent. You know, so I like I like their chances. Verlander's been up and down this year. You know, Matt, you know, Scherzer has been the guy for the for the Tigers. Um, you know, but he, you know, it took him a long time to win 20 and to get over that 20-game hurdle. And, you know, he got another win afterwards. But, you know, I, I just think the Oakland Athletics, I like them in this series, Tarvin. And I like, I like this series to play out in a longer series. I think this could go the distance. Trey, just to ask a question, Jason Humphrey in the chat room is thinking this is a best of five in the divisional. Did they change that to a best of seven now? Actually, you know, I think it is best of five. So I think he's right. Well, they changed it a couple of years ago, didn't they? And then they came back or maybe or something. But I remember it going to a best out of seven. And maybe that's in basketball or something. They used to have a best out of five. And they changed it, which is even worse for the Braves. Now you have a short series and you're playing these guys. I mean, that's that's even worse, Trey. Yeah, it is. Oh, man. I, for some reason, I'm, I'm going to have to look that up. I thought it was seven for some reason. So my bad if I'm wrong. I apologize. But it just seemed like they changed that a couple years back. I could be 100% wrong here, Trey. But the other matchup we're looking at, and I don't know, I mean, just looking at these matchups, Trey, looking at the American League, we had Detroit-Oakland. That's the only series set, really, Detroit-Oakland, um, the Dodgers and Atlanta. Now we have the wild cards coming into play. Who's your who's going to be your American League wild card that gets in to play Boston? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be the Indians. When they won 10 in a row, uh, I think they're going to wait and see the, the Rangers and Rays. I think they match up really well against the, both those teams. Um, just the Indians are so high, and they don't seem to have a guy, you know, who you'd want to pitch in this game. But I just think that, you know, this is Cleveland's time. They're going to go into this series. You know, they've won 10 games in a row to finish this season out, Tarvin. That's pretty pretty awesome. So I, I like Cleveland's momentum. I like the way, the way they played the ball, you know, played baseball down the stretch. And I think that they're going to go into that game against whoever they face, whether it's the Rays uh, or whether it is, you know, the Texas Rangers. And I think they're going to play – the same way they've been playing the last 10 games of the season, and they're going to win. Yeah, I'm with you. I like Cleveland to make it out of the wild card in the National League. Uh, you might laugh at me, man, but I like Pittsburgh. I like Liriano yeah. at home going against Cueto. Yeah, yeah that's not a bad pick, man. The Pittsburgh Pirates, with you know, sometimes, though, with, you know, when you get that monkey off your back, you're talking about 20-plus years since they were in the playoffs. Um, I think that sort of the emotionality of that is going to overwhelm them being in this stage and then the playoffs for the first time. The Reds who've been here before, I think, are going to be better prepared. I think the Reds win the game. Well, I mean, what, what an inter- let's go back to the American League real quick. Jason brought it up. What an interesting matchup it's going to be if Boston's playing Cleveland, Trey, with Francona going against his old ball club. Can you imagine if he beats them, if he beats Boston in that series? How bad it's going to look for Boston? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously that's. I think they're, they are very motivated. Uh, I think that team is very motivated for him. I mean, you veterans like Nick Swisher, who you know just cast away 
and has played very, very good this season for the, the Indians. I think players like him are really going to understand that for Francona, and they're going to be very motivated to, to go after Boston. I like that Boston-Cleveland matchup if that's what we have. Yeah, it's going to be good, and, and maybe next show, if you want to, we'll do our predictions of the entire playoffs, or you want to do it now. No, we can wait. We, you know, we'll, we, we, we'll pick the wild card for now, and then we'll see how it goes, uh, obviously, um, with after, after the wild card. And, of course, we have the, the Tampa-Texas game. So there's still some things to be decided. So uh, we can do it one time. Yeah. It's technically not the playoffs yet. So And we'll move on. And, Trey, before we get into the NFL, there's a lot of news that just came out, some big news in college football. I don't know if you got to see USC go on the road last night and get toasted for 60-plus points. I think it was 62 points in that game. Lane Kiffin got fired as he was on his plane ride home, man. I mean, shocked. Are you shocked that they fired him this early and they didn't wait till the end of the season? No. Do you want to talk about this now versus when we start talking about our games? Or Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about uh, it now. Yeah. All right, let's uh so I mean, I think the way they did it, uh kinda it was interesting, you know, not letting him back on the team bus, firing him uh, in the middle of the night. Um, no um you know no I guess, you know, after the loss, no real time to let it sink in. They seem to wanna pull the band aid off quickly. Um you know, if if you're that, that way, Tarvin, I think why even waited to that point? I mean, it it seemed to be like he was on a quarter to quarter coaching basis and I just don't get that. I mean I think you and I agreed that he needed to be gone. I just don't. I just don't like the way they did it. I think you know if you're going to fire him, uh, you know do it today. Like most coaching decisions are made instead of the middle of the night, not letting not to let the guy take the plane ride back. I think that was a little bit crass to me, Tarvin. But I mean, I agree with the move. I think it should have been made before now. Yeah, he didn't even have a ride home, Trey. I mean, they didn't even give this guy a ride home. Nothing. I mean, he's fired on the plane and. I blame Hayden for this, for even firing or hiring him, Trey. I mean, Hayden showed me that, that he doesn't know how to run a program, really. I think this is over his head. I think the guy, I mean, he's wishy-washy. And if you heard him in his interview, he was even saying, well, Lane tried to talk me out of it. He's a great recruiter and everything. But I just don't know if this guy knows what he's doing. I think that's one of the main problems, too. But if you're out there, you're USC, who are you going after as a coach? And I'm Somebody said they're not interviewing anybody until the end of the season. I think that would be bad for recruiting in a way if they didn't go ahead and try to get somebody. But who's out there right now that you would choose? Well, I mean, I think they may be looking for somebody who's still coaching and they have to wait till the end of the season. So, I mean, that's part of the probably the part of the problem, I would assume. But I mean, I like the name Jack Del Rio, is you know former NFL coach who I think would fit very well at USC. His name's been mentioned. I've heard Jeff Fisher. I think that's not going to happen. Man. Jeff Fisher gets mentioned just about every big college program, you know, in Auburn last year. I mean, you, you name it, Jeff Fisher's name seems to come up. I just don't see him leaving the Rams uh, for a college gig. Now, maybe USC. I mean, I think for a guy like Jeff Fisher to leave the NFL, I think it would take a top, you know, one of the top four, USC, Texas, Alabama, type of program, so Tarvin. Uh, yeah, I, but I just don't – I don't know, man. I don't see him leaving for, for USC right now. So, I mean, Jack Del Rio is the name I've heard that makes some sense. You know, Charlie Strong out of Louisville is the name I've heard. So, I, I don't know oh that's going to happen. Um, he would certainly be a large upgrade, but if I'm Charlie Strong, I'm not I'm not buying into that at all. But um, So, those are the names I'm hearing. I, I would guess we're going to see a, co- a college coach 
um, who's been in the pros, I would say, or excuse me, a, a pro coach who's been in the NFL is going to come down. Well, for, I think Del Rio would be a, a a disaster hire. If you saw what he did in Jacksonville, left that team in just total chaos and shambles. Uh, I mean, my God, Charlie Strong, I could, he would get eaten alive in the NFL. I think. I don't. I mean, not, I mean, I'm sorry, in USC. I just don't think that's the right. Uh, town city for him trey i think he would get eaten alive going into southern california i think you have to be very careful what about washington's coach the washington huskies coach sarkeesian i think he may be one that they're looking at in a way i mean pete carroll's real high on him he's shown he can win some big football games in a way i don't go after a coordinator in the nfl i don't i don't do any of that stuff that people talk about the Colts oc or the offensive coordinator from the niners I go after a proven head coach or somebody young like Sarkeesian, or I go after the NFL, or I go get a head coach or somebody in the NFL if I can. Southern Cal is a big-time job, Trey, and I think Hayden needs to realize what a big-time job that is so he can sell that university again. I think maybe the coaches don't want to come coach with him. That's possible. I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't think Sarkeesian's going to leave Washington, but um, – you know, it's one of those things that I think you're going to see a guy with an NFL experience at the head coaching level. I, you know, I don't think they're going to pull a coordinator down um, from one of the programs, you know, unless it's a Pete Carroll guy. Um, but I just, I, I just don't see them going with a college coach, like a, you know, or a guy. You know, I'm, I think they're looking for some credibility at the NFL level. How about Chip Kelly? No. He just sucks, sucks at Philadelphia. And and they bring him in. I think that uh, that would be a smart move. I would rather have Chip Kelly. He's proven he can win in college. He lost what seven games in four years, maybe at that. Um, he's a proven winner. I don't know that they can grab somebody out there, and and you never know. They might go out to the or to the SEC and grab a good coach. But a trade the name Franklin's come up from Vanderbilt. I mean, really? Do you really think he would be a good fit for Southern Cal? No, no, no. He's terrible. That, that, that guy's terrible. He's a six-win coach. Something he got nine with a team that was already recruited for him. So I'm not buying into him. But they need to be very careful with this hire, even if it takes to the end of the season or even after that. They need to be very careful who they hire because this hire is going to define everything. If you look at Southern Cal's recruiting class, Trey, it's not even ranked this year going into it. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously that they have um, they have a lot of recruits, but then the point is is a lot of recruits have, have flipped the switch on USC now, but if they get somebody in, I mean, the floodgates will open right back up. I mean, USC last year, even with sanctions, even with, you know, Kiffin, they still had a top-team class and had guys, you know, I mean, five-star guys, they have, what, six? Something like that. So, I mean, this this, this mm-hmm. place gets, gets five-star recruits just by opening their doors. I mean, they don't, the coach doesn't half matter for some of these guys. So, I mean, if they get a coach with any credibility, they're going to jump to the top ten quickly. Yeah, but, I mean, they got they need to be careful who they hire. Lane Kiffin, where does he go from here? I mean, what high school is going to take him, Trey? Yeah, I mean, for him, it's, he's going to have to really start over. I mean, there's going to have to be, you know, we're, we're talking about he's going to have to go to Mac Nation or the Sun Belt uh, or maybe even as a coordinator somewhere. It's probably what's actually going to happen. It's probably have to get a coordinating job and start earning credibility back. I mean, this guy hasn't really – and there's a lot of people who don't think he's a very good football coach. So, I mean, that's the problem with him is, is it's not just you got fired at USC. I mean, you certainly mm-hmm. can get a job a lot of places with that, Tarvin. But, 
the problem with him is is there's a lack of credibility in the coaching circle. Yeah, and he's not, I don't think he's going to end up as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. I mean, come on. He can't even move the ball right now and call plays. And Pete Carroll wouldn't even let him be the offensive coordinator at Southern Cal. He was co-offensive coordinator, and all he did was hold the clipboard. This guy came in, and he hasn't earned one single job that he's had. He didn't earn. He didn't deserve to be in Oakland. You saw what happened. He didn't deserve to have a job at Tennessee in the SEC. You saw what happened, and now he didn't deserve this job. You see what happened. I think he needs to go to a team like Memphis or, or somewhere like that to start being a head coach and learning how to build a team up and, and actually win and then take another step maybe to uh, the ACC or, or somewhere Big Ten like that and then come back if he wants to. But, Trey, he's got a lot to learn. And maybe he learned a lot by losing. But there's no way an NFL team is going to hire him as an offensive coordinator. No, I, I think he's, like I said, I think he's going to be a coordinator at a, at a you know, medium to small uh, college program. I mean, and that's, I think that's his move. Yeah. I mean, Kiffin's terrible. I mean, there's a reason Pete Carroll wouldn't wouldn't let him call plays, Trey. There's a big, big reason. So Pete Carroll, uh, I don't know how he feels about it, but when you saw the interviews, of the, I don't know if you get to saw got to saw the inter- see the interview of the team, but some of the players, Trey, looked very happy that Lane Kiffin was gone. And I don't know about Ed Orgeron running this team, and for the, the end of the season, he might get his own probation in the next eight games. Well, I mean, some of the players actually tweeted they were very unhappy with the move. Some, I think, some went the other way, and that's going to happen with any kind of head coaching move. Uh, Ed Orgeron is an interesting, um, you know, this is his shot to sort of win the gig. I mean, I I wasn't so impressed with him when he was at Ole Miss and the way he left that program. So, um, you know, I mean, you know, you're right. I mean, there's it's probably not the kind of guy who you want running a program that's come on, you know, coming off sanctions. I don't think he's the guy who you want to clean how, clean this program up and get it back to, you know, national stature. Yeah, this guy. I mean, I, I've seen Pete Carroll. I've seen Kiffin call plays, Trey, and like last night he was calling some, and against Wazoo, I saw him calling them. Is he? Does he call? He doesn't call all the plays, but he does call some of them, doesn't he? Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He called some of the plays. Yeah, exactly, and I've I've seen what he can do. He's he's taken ownership really of that, and my God, what he's done with that team is run it in the ground. But we'll see. I mean, I I don't wish him the best because I don't like the guy. He's dirty, but I don't think he deserved what they did to him last night. I mean, nobody deserves that. The karma does come back around, Trey. Um, it does come back the way he did Tennessee. He left like that, and so maybe maybe that's just the way it's supposed to go. But. We'll we'll see what happens with old Lane Kiffin, but some bad news out there for uh, actually some that's bad news for the Pac-12 trade because I'm sure they wanted Kiffin there as long as possible. But do you think Ed Orgeron can win some games uh, with this team? Is he going to win some games? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you know I don't think you'd be a very good head coach, Southern. I think you could win some games at USC right now. I mean, they have some talent and they can beat some people. but I mean, is Orgeron going to come in and, and you know make a name for himself again? I don't think so. I don't think he's going to have that kind of success. He's going to he's going to come in and rip his shirt off and uh, start trying to fight the players, like he did at Ole Miss when he came in there. So I think we have Jonathan on the line real quick. He wants to weigh in on this. What's up, Jonathan? Hey guys, I was just thinking really quick uh, off the top of my head. You know, you bring up, you know, a coach, you know, that has experience and offensively. 
How about Bobby Petrino? How about Bobby Petrino becomes the next coach at USC? I mean, nobody's mentioned his name, but I know he's kind of doing this whole rebuild my image thing in Western Kentucky. But we all know he's a good college coach, so why wouldn't USC go get Petrino? And Nick Saban, I guess you could say, has become Charlie Weiss, because we all saw what happened to Charlie Weiss. Great recruiter, can't coach. So I think, not Nick Saban, Lane Kiffin. I think Lane Kiffin could wind up at someplace like uh, Wake Forest or, um, I don't know, maybe Connecticut. <laughs> just, well, first just of all, Jonathan, it's a long motorcycle ride from western Kentucky to southern California, man, first of all. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. Trey Bobby Petrino, do you think he's a, a name that they want really, a, a household name that they want at Southern Cal? Because this is a big, this is a big hire and a big job. Yeah, I mean, can Petrino put USC, you know, back? Uh, it's possible. I mean, he's a he is. There's no doubt about it. He's a good football coach. Um, but whether he is the kind of personality you want, um, you know, I, I, that, that's a different question. I mean, can Petrino coach the X's and O's and make this team win? Yeah, I think he probably can. Uh, but that doesn't always mean the best for the program in the long run or, or that he can win a national championship because, you know, all, all the off-field or internal struggles that you might have with him. But, I mean, it's an interesting thought. I mean, I think, I think Petrino is not going to be long where he is for sure. Well, Jonathan, there's some coach, maybe or program out there, like you said, Wake Forest or something, that might be happy just to have a name that that coached in the NFL, that coached in the SEC, and then coached Southern Cal in the Pac-12. So somebody out there might like that baggage and might like to take a chance on him, get him cheap. I mean, that's you know, that's my thought. I mean, if Kansas can do it with Charlie Weiss, you know, they take that chance with Charlie Weiss, and he's actually done a pretty good job of getting guys in there. Why not? You know see Lane Kiffin wind up at some small, you know, forgotten school in a bigger conference, you know, like Indiana, Purdue, you know, I mean, these schools that nobody really pays attention to anymore and would like to get back to that national limelight. Maybe even Illinois, it looks like they're, you know, their coach has only been there, what, a year and four games, and they're already talking about firing him. I think Will Muschamp, guys, he might hire him as a coordinator there just because of his recruiting Somebody, do you think, Jonathan, it's possible somebody in the SEC goes after him for a coordinator position just because of his, his recruiting? Florida won't because they have a really good offensive coordinator in Brent Pease. Um I, I think somebody in the SEC could. We could definitely see, you know, somebody step up, like, you know, let's say a Vanderbilt, um, who would go ahead and hire him and just from the fact that he's a recruiter and also probably to stick it to Tennessee a little bit. Well, Paul in the chat room saying he would take uh, Lane Kiffin as offensive coordinator, guys, over their current one. Hi. Um, I don't know. That's a I mean, that's a, not, but that's a Florida like fan talking too. It's not like Pease is bad. You just got to give him a good quarterback. Yeah, I don't know, Trey. You're 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 close to that Florida program over there. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. like I said, you know, this is all great speculation, but I kind of agree with you. I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't know about that one. Well, all right. Well, guys, it was a, a great day in the NFL so far, and I think Jonathan actually won our competition this week by game uh, because of the sorry Houston Texans, guys. I'm sure Trey will hit that game. So, Trey, uh, get us started off in the NFL. Take us where you want to. 
Well, yeah, we'll start with number five, the Jets and the Titans, Tarvin. This was um, you and I picked the Titans, and the Titans, you know, came out and dominated this game. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say. The Titans uh, look like a very improved football team. The real question to me, and, and, and what is kind of scary about this game is, you know, Jake Locker got taken out of the game after that big hit, and all the coach said after the game was he was taken the, straight to the hospital with a hip injury, and that's all they know. I mean, and that's it's pretty scary stuff, man. They don't know much right now, and the guy got taken straight to the hospital. So, you know, I'm hoping Jake Walker is okay because that, that sounds pretty serious. Well, the only thing I'll say about this game is Geno Smith didn't look terrible. Hold on, guys. Go ahead, Trey. So, I mean, uh, Jonathan, are you still with us? Yes, I am. So what, what do you what do you think? Have you heard anything on the Jake Locker situation other than the coach coming out and saying that? Um, I haven't gotten any uh, further injury updates on the um, you know the Jake Locker situation. It's obviously an unfortunate incident as he was having a phenomenal game. Uh, if it's just his hip, hopefully he's able to come back soon. But being Carter off the field just kind of makes me think it might be a little more than his hip. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem, especially, I mean, Jonathan, I don't know if the Tennessee Titans, who are really having a, you know, almost a comeback type playoff year, I mean, this football team looks improved, but without Jake Locker and his progression at quarterback, I, I seriously doubt they'd have much of a shot at the postseason, you know, um, without without him. I, I agree. I mean, they would really need Chris Johnson to uh, – step up and have a season like Peterson did last year for that to happen, you know, because um, I, I don't know if Ryan Fitzpatrick is the answer in Tennessee, even though I'm saying he didn't do a bad job at Buffalo. He just doesn't seem like a playoff quarterback. And Jake Walker was Tennessee's first-round pick, so you'd hate to see just from Tennessee a former first-round pick that they've invested so much in to go down and possibly um, – hinder his progression that he's gone through this year. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was the Titans. Uh, good, good win for the Titans. Uh, they're going to 3-1. and one. And The next game, Jonathan, and we'll wait to see if Tarvin comes back, but i got to tell you, uh, you know, Tarvin and I picked the Lions in this game uh, against the Bears. And, and tell me about Jake Cutler's just, I mean, he fell apart in this game. You know, Jake Cutler had a rough, rough, rough outing today. You know, and I expected the Lions to beat the Bears as I did pick in our pick because it was in the Dome, but I did not expect Cutler to come out and give us the just horrendous play he did today. I don't understand what happened, if it's something mental, if it was something physical. It didn't look like he had any ailments, but my gosh, I mean, when you have Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey and Martellus Bennett, you know, and Matt Forte, you just cannot, the Bears cannot afford for Cutler to have lapses like he did. Yeah, I think it came down to the pressure. I mean, you look at what the Lions were able to do. I mean, you had, you know, and Sue with two sacks. I mean, this guy got back into relevancy. You had, I think, two more sacks in the game, the second three or four more. I mean, this guy was basically running for his life. And a couple of the picks, and there's often times where you can say, well, you know, we're not talking about, you know, the problems with the quarterback, you know, you don't always see when a receiver runs a bad route or you don't, you know, you don't see that kind of stuff. But in these three interceptions that he had today, 
I mean, they were some really forced. I mean, you saw him throwing the double coverage. You saw him throw off his back foot. You saw on third and 19 when he threw the ball, you know, up for the grabs. I mean, he seemed to be really pressing because they got down so fast. I mean, it turned out to be an eight-point loss, so it didn't look as bad as it was at one point. But I really think that Cutler pressed, especially when it came down to, you know, when they got down early in the first, you know, we're talking about the first half of the football game, he really didn't need to press because, I mean, the Bears can score so fast. And they showed that in the fourth quarter when they outscored the Lions 16-3. to So, you know, Jonathan, I look at this game, and I think in, in the game film, I think Cutler's going to have to sit down and go, okay, you know, this is if I had not pressed as much as I did in the second quarter, uh, this, this could be a win for us in the fourth quarter, and nobody's talking about this. I agree, and I really think the Bears' needs, defense needs to take a long, hard look at themselves and figure out what went wrong today against the run, because they've been a really stingy run defense. I know they played Pittsburgh the week before, so it's not really saying much with the run defense. But they've been really tough against the run this year prior to this game. Reggie Bush kind of ran wild. Chicago needs to figure out how to solve that problem before it starts to really, you know, compound and just become ugly. Just the, Bears, the Bears need their defense to get to the playoffs. That, that's how the NFC is going to be won this year. It's who has the better defense when it comes to playoff time. Yeah, and, you know, Carver, I don't know if you're back, but I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you, yeah, Jonathan, is, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, I'm officially putting Reggie Bush back on the, back on the, I guess, uh, on the Trey was wrong list, because I, I didn't think this guy was going to be all that great for the Lions, but, man, he has been good, Tarvin. Yeah, I mean, he's the reason they won the game today. I mean, I think that's the difference. Chicago's playing Detroit for the first time with a Reggie Bush, and you have to game plan totally different. Now you have some you have some problems at receiver. Now you have this running back that can catch the ball out of the backfield and, and make plays in space. And, man, Stafford is a very happy camper right now having Reggie Bush on that team. Detroit is a serious playoff contender right now. If they can stay healthy and, and play disciplined football. Hey, Nick Fairley even got a touchdown, the former Auburn great. <laughs> yeah, that he did. That he did. Uh, you know, Tarvin, you know, so, I, mean, I don't know what else you want to say about that one. I think that kind of wraps up. Uh, the Lions, great wins for the Lions. They're now 3-1. and one. You know, they're even with the Bears now in that division. So that, that'll move us to Tarman, game number three, uh, which is currently being played right now. And the Patriots are 3-0 and at the Falcons. The game is 7-3 to New England. And this game is really, I mean, looking like Matt Ryan still, Tarvin, is not where he needs to be. Yeah, I mean, New England, you know, coming into the game, they played – three bad quarterbacks, probably three of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. And I wondered how they would do on the road against a quarterback like Matt Ryan. But but you're right. I mean, they're just not playing well right now. New England's not a great defense, but they're shutting down Atlanta right now, about to go up 10-3, to three, three minutes left in the second quarter. I'm worried now. I mean, I picked Atlanta to win this game, but if they can't get something going on offense, Tom Brady's going to pick them apart, guys. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I really do. I mean, Atlanta's got to pick it up somehow. Matt Ryan seems like he's forcing throws tonight, and he can't do that. He's got two really good receivers in Roddy and Julio, and he's got a, one of the best tight ends ever in Tony Gonzalez. He just needs to find him and hit him. You know, I mean, this New England can't double cover everybody, so he's going to get man-to-man on one of them. Yeah, Matt. He's going to earn his paycheck tonight. I mean, if the Atlanta Falcons lose this game, 
And I know New Orleans is going to win tomorrow night. They're going to be three games out already in that division. I, I don't think the Atlanta Falcons will come back from a one and three start. These guys have to have a bounce back game tonight, and, and they have to rally in the second half and, and beat the Patriots. I mean, there's no excuses in this game. You're a favorite at home. Uh, you're playing a team without a lot of their weapons, and you're you're losing. I mean, there's no excuse for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Tarvin, the other game that we'll talk about because the Dolphins and the Saints are number one game is obviously Monday night. But uh, let's talk about this this Houston uh, debacle against Seattle, Tarvin. I know you were you were doing some live talk on our message board about this game. Uh, I'll let you go first, Tarvin. I think you're a little more frustrated than many. No, I mean it's just you see a team up twenty to three, and you get outscored twenty to nothing. You know to end the game in the second half. I don't know. Seattle is just one of those teams that they don't quit. But Matt Schaub is the worst quarterback in the NFL, guys. This guy has no guts. He doesn't know how to throw a ball away. He doesn't know how to to read a defense. I mean, he had 355 yards passing, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. But I'm telling you, Seattle, the difference in this game was the pressure Seattle being able to put on them in the second half and Russell Wilson being able to make plays with his feet. That's it. I mean, they choked. Russell Wilson didn't quit. Pete Carroll coaches like that with a lot of energy. Um, I just think they need a big change in Houston right now. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Jonathan, are you gonna, are you going to agree with the quarterback uh, sort of breakdown that Tarvin had? I, you know, you realize Houston fans started a bonfire with Matt Schaub jerseys after the game. I I think that <laughs> says enough right there. Matt Schaub is a joke. I've been saying the whole time that Houston needs to get rid of him. Atlanta obviously traded him for a reason. Matt Schaub cannot win when it matters most. Seattle is a team that can't quit, but Seattle is a very beatable team and should have lost today. I mean, Houston is – somebody trying to explain to me what's wrong with Houston right now because that is not the football team we saw last year that started, what, 13-1? and This. This is pathetic. This is honestly pathetic. The Houston Texans are now a fringe playoff team, and what are they, third in their division? I mean, what a joke. Yeah, the, Trey, the, this was supposed to be their division, no questions asked. I mean, and now looking at their schedule, Houston, you know, about to remove themselves from the playoffs in the next few games if they don't find out how to play football. Harry and Foster had a good game. But it, in crunch time, when you're up at home, you have to make throws. Did you see the throws, Trey? The reason I'm saying he's a terrible quarterback, did you see the throws he was making in the fourth quarter in overtime? Just his poor throws. Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing. It, it, if you watch this game, it, and it's easy to say that one pass was the difference in the game, but it, it really wasn't. And I understand that, you know, quarterbacks are, you know, and, and I agree with Jonathan, he's going to be the go to the game. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think it's deserved. I mean, I think that pass was atrocious. There's no doubt about it. If, when you, if, you know, he's going to go back on film. He's going, to, he's going to think, how could I have thrown that? You know, no high school quarterback throws that ball. I mean, it's just an obvious pass that you don't, you let go. You're up by seven, third and four. You live in another day. You punt the ball and you use the clock. That's just the way it goes, right? I mean, Matt Schaub is a, is a seasoned enough veteran to know that. But there was some pretty atrocious plays in this game early on. Uh, you know, you look at DeAndre Hopkins, uh, and, and if you watch the game, you know, the reverse that he missed, where he just totally missed the handoff. 
you know, Matt Schaub got, took a ten, had to take a 10-yard loss. There's a bunch of plays in this game that mattered like that. Uh, and you could even go into the, the overtime where uh, they get the dumb penalty and they give them 15 yards and put Seattle in for the win for the kick. Uh, and there's a couple penalties like that in this game. There was one where they were driving down. Uh, they ended up getting a, a first down conversion off one of them. So my point is, Tarvin, is this team is playing sloppy, and it's not just Matt Schaub. Yeah, Matt Schaub played sloppily in the fourth quarter. I mean, throwing the pick, I think he was getting panicked with the, with the, the whole you know tide of the game. But I mean, it's not just him. It seems to be more of an issue with the team as a whole. And, and I, I disagree. I think Arian Foster didn't have that great of a day. I mean, 27 times they handed him the rock, and they got 102 yards. Yeah, that's all right. But that's not what Arian Foster, his average of you know, yards per carry is still way down. He's still not getting a whole lot of yards or time he touches the rock, and that's a problem. You know, you look at Ben Tate, and the guy's seven carries for 44 yards. So I think this problem may come down to an offensive coordinator and an offensive team, and then some coaching when you got to tell your guys, you know, how to play in certain situations and how not to make stupid penalties. Well, the problem is he got baited. I mean, great quarterbacks don't get baited at home in crunch time, and Sherman baited him and took him to school and took it to the end zone. Anytime you get 100 yards in a game like that, I mean, I think it's a good game. I mean, I, I think it's a good day. That's how I judge running backs is, is by their yards, touchdowns, and so forth. But 100 yards, and maybe his yards for carry was down. But you have to remember, when he's in the game, Seattle, they're a good defense. They focus on him. So to get 100 yards, I wouldn't say it's a bad day, Trey, or, you know, even an average day. But I don't know. Did, I mean, he got – Jonathan, am I wrong? Did he not get baited by Sherman? Sherman made him look like a fifth grader out in the backyard play. He really did. I, I Shaw does this time and time again. You know, he's just a quarterback who really needs to figure out what's going on upstairs, and he hasn't gotten it done yet. I, he really did get baited by Sherman. Sherman – Made a great play. Uh, my hat's off to Mr. Sherman. I don't like him, um, but I, I, I can't knock him because that was really a just wow. You know, I, he, he's obviously mentally ahead of Matt Schaub, and you shouldn't be saying that about cornerback against the quarterback. Yeah, I think I think they need a new quarterback, guys. I think in order to, I mean, they have the receivers, the running back, they have the defense. I just. I just really think they need a quarterback, and I think this is his last year really being the starter unless he can just pull a miracle out and start playing quarterback. I mean, you cannot keep this quarterback around with the talent on that team and just keep being mediocre or keep, you know, choking. It's not going to happen. Houston, they're already, like you said, burning their jersey, burning their jerseys and everything, guys. So I think his, his career is going to be short in Houston after this. So, Trey, we're through with the NFL. Is there any other game you want to talk about in the NFL that stood out to you today? Yeah, there's a, there's actually a couple, Tarvin, I wanted to mention. One is, is you know, the and I want to mention this real quick, quickly, is the Cleveland Browns won again today. Uh, they're 2-0 two, two and oh since trading Richardson. So I, I, I don't know what to make of that, tar, that, Tarvin. But, I mean, the fact is they beat a very good Bengals team today, and that defense in Cleveland uh, is legitimate. I mean, there's no doubt about it. If that offense figures anything out, I mean, they're holding people down. Uh, legitimate offensive down in Cleveland, so um, you know who knows this team. This team may be interesting. We'll, we'll have to see. I'm not ready to, to call it interesting just yet. That's something I did want to well, mention, Dia Tarvin, and see what you thought about Cleveland being two and two. Well, I mean, the Colts won today because of Trent Richardson, did they not? 
It was mm-hmm. all Trent Richardson over there against Jacksonville, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think Cleveland must know. I thought they were crazy doing what they did, but obviously that front office knew exactly what they were doing, and maybe Trent Richardson was causing issues on that team in the locker room, and maybe the guys didn't want to play with him anymore. Maybe we just haven't heard the full story, but Obviously, they did something right, and they're in the position they are, and we're in the position we are because we just don't know the full story. I think Cleveland's a better team without Trent Richardson. It looks like it. I mean, Jonathan, what do you think? I can't explain what's going on in Cleveland right now. I, you know, this this team is just blowing my mind. If I'm not mistaken, they are in first place now since the whole hybrid with Cincinnati. This is ridiculous. Uh, Cincinnati should have easily walked away with this. And yet Brian Hoyer, the fourth-string quarterback of the Patriots at one point, is now <laughs> lighting it up for Cleveland. I just just don't get it, guys. I really don't. And they, they have no running game. They have no production from the running backs whatsoever. And they're still you know beating the doors off of opponents, essentially. It's Wow, you know? It's Chris, Chris Obanaya, guys. I mean, he was on our show, Trey. I mean, maybe maybe he can step it up and, and give Cleveland that running game they need. Well, it's funny, Tarman. He actually has been very uh, way more involved in the trade. I mean, he, this is a, you know, Chris was a guy who didn't get maybe a carry every five five or so games. He got five carries today. He got a touchdown late in the game. I mean, so you know, it, it, maybe the talent that has been evaluated there by you know Coach Chud, uh, maybe the reason is is they looked at him and thought we have a better running back. I mean, you know, that we're kind of stashing away on the depth chart. Uh, so I don't know, you know, and it's Sam Willis McGahee for a reason as well. But, you know, it's interesting, you know, this team is, is playing differently now. Um, and beating the Bengals is a legitimate win. But the other the other game I wanted to mention to you, Tarvin, is, you know, that surprised me was, uh, you know, Dallas went out and laid an egg against San Diego, um, which, you know, San Diego, Phillip Rivers threw for, for over 400 yards, had the highest completion percentage for a quarterback throwing for over 400 yards since, you know, um, I can't remember who it was since, but uh, Jeff Garcia. Uh, but, Tarvin, let me, tell, me, tell me about this defense for the the, the Cowboys. I mean, the, the, Tony Romo on the offense was not the problem today. I mean, it's Dallas. I mean, they're, they're a very inconsistent team, especially the way they looked against St. Louis. I mean, the guys look great. And then I had a, I picked this, actually, the Chargers beating the Cowboys and it's just because of their inconsistency. I mean, it seems like to me Dallas abandons the run way too early in games, and, and all of a sudden they get behind, they start trying to throw, throw, throw. I think that's a that's a big problem with them, guys, and maybe I'm wrong. They had 92 yards rushing on 16 attempts, and I think that's a problem. That's a big problem to me, not being able to run the football and going away from it. You have Murray on that team. You should be able to run the ball. Am I wrong here, saying they abandoned the run? No, you're right. No, yeah, I, 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 that's exactly what I was trying to get to as well, and you kind of beat me to it. I was going to let you see what you had to say. But I, I think this team is, is in balance when it comes down to their offensive game plan. You know, Romo's playing pretty pretty good right now. You really can't complain on his play. Uh, but they, they lose again. You're right, very inconsistent. Tarvin, and the last thing I did want to mention, Tarvin, is a uh, better chance of going 0-16 this year. Jacksonville Jaguars or Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Hmm, Jacksonville. Tampa Bay. Oh. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I, I, believe it or not, guys, 
I got a phone call at about 10.45 this morning from one of my buddies, and he goes, I, you know, I have season tickets to the Bucks. I don't want to go to today's game. Would you like to go? I said, you know what? I have no rooting interest. I don't have anything planned today. I will gladly accept your free tickets and go to the Bucks game. The Bucks <laughs> defense is really good. And I'm not just saying that because they held Arizona to 10. I'm saying if you watch them, this is a smart and disciplined defense. Mike Lennon made rookie mistakes, but they cannot run the football. Doug Martin had 27 carries for 45 yards. That's pitiful. I mean, this is not a good Tampa Bay Buccaneer team. I am not impressed with this team. And the new rallying cry in Tampa Bay is 0-16, yes, we can. Yeah. Why, why is, I mean, I, I just don't understand how they were favored in this game, guys. And we talked about that the other night, I think. Tampa Bay was favored two and a half, three points in this game. And I, I just don't see with a new quarterback and everything, even playing Arizona, how they were favored. But they were winning 10 to nothing. And and they choked. And Trey, I know you that was your game, but but let's talk about Flacco and Baltimore a minute. I mean, the way they looked against <laughs> uh, Houston last week, the way they dominated, yeah. and they came out and laid an egg. Flacco, your boy, with five interceptions, Trey. What's your thoughts on that? Well, <laughs> I like how he's my boy all of a sudden, but because uh, I picked him to win <laughs> last week. But uh, you know, actually, Carvin, this game did not surprise me. Uh, I thought they would struggle on the road. This is one of those teams I feel are going to be very up and down this year. They're going to be consistently good at home and not consistently bad on the road. So, you know, the Bills are a team that's going to beat people this year. And so, I mean, did, you know, Flacco struggling. I didn't see him throwing five picks, but I also didn't didn't that surprise me they lost today. I mean, this is going to be a team that does things that make us scratch our heads and they're on the road. And, you know, we'll see if they come back home, if Flacco turns it around and looks great again. You know, like I did a – Sports Pickle always says, you know, every time Flacco has an interception, like, is that interception elite? Well, he wasn't elite today, Tarvin. Why yeah. did Baltimore well, abandon the run? Yeah, they built five carries for guys, yeah. Nine How carries carry? total in the game. Five Nine for carries. Rice, four for Pinks. Nine carries total. Why did they abandon the run? That's my question. Why, is Jim Caldwell that stupid? I mean, I, I, I knew he was a moron when he was the head coach in Indianapolis. But he can't really be this dumb. You have a, one, a top ten running back in the NFL, and you give him the ball five times? I, I mean, come on. Cam Cameron wasn't this stupid. Maybe it was the – maybe Ray Rice was hurt, and, and maybe they just didn't want to – they didn't see they could win that game running the football. I don't know. Maybe Buffalo was there to shut it down. I don't know that one, but we'll see – you know, what happens in this one. But, guys, let's move on real quick. we got about 40 minutes left to talk about some college football. And it was a crazy week in football, but the upsets weren't there. I mean, it was some good games on trade, but I just felt like there would be more upsets in football. I don't really know of any upsets, really. If you want to call Georgia over LSU an upset in the rankings, but tell us what you thought about this week in general. Well, I think it was a good week of football. and we I think we did get to see – um, some teams really make statements, and it will, you know, I'll start off with the first game, Tarvin. I, I really felt that Stanford went out and made a big statement in this game. You know, you, you picked the upset, and you weren't the only person out there thinking that Stanford might struggle in this game. I, you know, I took the opposing view. I thought Stanford was going to really take care of business, but even so, Tarvin, the 55 to 17 win was even more surprising than I thought. 
I mean, Hogan's three touchdowns were impressive. I mean, I, I think Stanford really was focused, and, I, and this is what I like to see in a team, Tarvin. They're not, they're not looking ahead. They were really focused for their opponent, and they went out and dominated, you know, a team at Washington State was was been playing okay. Yeah, I mean, I was wrong on this one. I could I could just feel an upset, a perfect time, then play Washington next week, and and I really haven't seen I hadn't seen Stanford play that well this year, and I thought Washington State was improved, but boy was I wrong. Stanford came out and just laid the wood to these guys, and in the second half, I was talking to Jonathan. I thought they would lay down a little bit, maybe, and but they didn't. They just kept pouring it on, and I like to see that. I'm more impressed with Stanford, but I'm not yet ready to you know, to put them up there as a, as a top-tier team just yet. I, I still want to see them play a couple more games and see how they do. But big win last night, you're right. The way they won, they went on the road in the rain, and, and they played physical football. So I was very, very, very wrong on this game. I like to hear you say that, Brian. Yeah, I know you do. I mean, I'll admit when <laughs> I'm wrong, but I was, I was very wrong in this one. Not just wrong, very, very, very wrong. Stanford's defense well, really impressed me, to be honest. That that was the most impressive thing about what I saw in that game was they really came to play, and they looked a lot better than they did the first couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they got back to business, Tarvin, and I think the Stanford team is going to be a – we're going to have a, a David and Goliath matchup pretty coming pretty soon. I think Stanford's going to take care of business until they get to Oregon, but we'll see. But, Tarvin, that, that'll lead us on to uh, the ACC battle on Thursday night. The Georgia Tech, uh, who I think we all picked to win this game, and Virginia Tech came out and won. I think I saw a lot of people talking about this game on Thursday night, saying that Virginia Tech was very impressive. You know, this they're back. I'll tell you, Tarvin. First of all, I don't think that's true. Logan Thomas did have a touchdown rushing and touchdown passing. That's just all well and good. But they still scored 17 points, and Logan Thomas, to me. Uh, watching him, Tarvin, you know, did not look all that great. I mean, he's a guy who was, um, you know, better, 19 or 25. So, I mean, a lot more completions than I've seen in recent weeks. Uh, but still on the guy I'm sold on yet, Tarvin. And then good on Virginia Tech for this win. I think this was a, a surprise for me, but I'm still not sold on Virginia Tech. Yeah, I'm not either. This was Georgia Tech being Georgia Tech, choking in a game that they – they should have won, and I, I mean, the first two games you picked on the schedule, Trey, I lost. That's the only two games I lost out of out of the ten. So it's kind of painful for me to talk about these two, but it's just hard to predict these ACC games sometimes. And Virginia Tech, we know for sure they have a good defense, but the problem is to me is their offense. I'm not sold on them either. They're three and one right now, but they're not as good as that three and one record, Trey. No, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think so either. Um, and Tarvin, I'll just move us on to our next game, which is the Washington Huskies and the Arizona. Um, this game, Washington really played really well. I mean, Sankey set a school record uh, in this win over Arizona. Um, I don't know if 40 carries, I mean, for 161 yards for Bishop Sankey in this game, Tarvin. He looks like a, a legitimate running back, and I really liked what he did in this game. Tarvin, what did you think about Washington's performance today, uh, on Saturday? Well, I mean, it was it was what I expected, really, out of them. You know, they they went they took care of business, won by 18 points. They were favored nine and a half. I didn't see them really looking ahead to Stanford, and and they were at home, and they they just took care of business. That's that's what I'll say. That's going to be a great matchup next weekend, Washington and Stanford. I don't know if Washington can beat them right now, but it's going to be a great challenge. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Tarvin. I think it's going to be a good game, but um, we'll we'll move on to our game, Tarvin. Let me and tell me if this one surprised you. The this this was a, a wet game, you know, a lot of rain in this game. A uh, and M came in, and to me, uh, this was a little closer than I think a lot of people in A and M wanted it to be, Tarvin. I mean, Texas A&M came in there, and it was it was very close game at first, you know, for the first few quarters, and uh, they pulled away in the second half. But man, all this showed me even more was Texas A&M has zero defense, Trey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Manziel, I mean, twenty three of thirty for two sixty one, two touchdowns. He had fifty nine yards in the ground. Uh, so I mean, still a great performance from Manziel. They get the win, forty five to thirty three. But, again, Tarvin, I know I keep talking about Alex Collins, the, the freshman, true freshman running back for Arkansas. He had 116 yards and a touchdown. I really want to watch what he does by the end of the year. This guy's been putting up 100-yard games every week. Uh, he's going to be something special for Arkansas when they actually get good. Uh, so just keep an eye on him. I think he's going to be the real deal um, out of Arkansas, and he may be the kind of running back that they've been looking for for a while. He is. I mean, he is that running back, and – he can run physical. He can fly. I mean, I mean, they hit a home run with this freshman, so it's rare that you see Arkansas hit a home run like this. But this guy is the future for them, so they're going to build around him. They're going to try to win the SEC West. I, I really think he's done a great job, Trey, with what he's done at Arkansas so far. I'm very impressed. They're a lot better than than what I, you know, I thought. I know they've lost two games, but looking at them on the field, I'm very impressed with what I see out of Arkansas. Well, you're seeing improvement. I mean, I, there's no doubt about it. You are seeing a team that is a lot better than they have been. I mean, last year they were given up by this point. They're still fighting. I mean, they were fighting in this game against a really good, you know, Texas A&M offense. Uh, you know, they can't. They didn't have the offense to keep up. I mean, obviously Texas A&M's defense is horrid. But, you know, what you saw in this game was a different Arkansas backbone for sure. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. But they, no surprise in the score. Um, they won by a couple of touchdowns around in that. That was the point where they didn't cover, but they won. But Arkansas, to me, like I said, they impressed me in that game. And, Tarvin, I don't know how much you want to touch on the USC score at our next game, but, I mean, I'll tell you, 62-41 to 41, um, was, a, was crazy, crazy. Um, 62 points. It still surprises me, even now, Tarvin that Arizona State put up 62. So we talked about that. Anything else you want to mention about uh, the, the Lane Kiffin left, left uh, USC team? No, well, he lost his offense, and, and then he lost his defense, so he had to lose his job. So that's it. That's an embarrassment to the, the program, giving up 62 points to a, a team like Arizona State. I know they're ranked guys, but they're not good. They – they pulled off the Houdini. The referee screwed Wisconsin in that game, like we talked about earlier. Um, I don't know. Arizona State's not that great of a football team to score 62 or whatever it was on them. That's just very embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, and so, Tarwin, that brings me to the game I really wanted to get to you at. South Carolina went to UCF and, and just about lost this game. Uh, if it wasn't for a 14-point fourth, excuse me, third quarter, uh, this would be the game I think everybody would be talking about, but South Carolina squeaked by 28 to 25. What are your takeaways from this game? Uh, obviously, Connor Shaw got hurt early on, um, which affected the outcome, but they still gave up 25 points to, to the Knights. 
Well, I think this, I don't think this game was as close as the score. South Carolina was up twenty-eight to ten and kind of went back and gave up a couple of touchdowns late in the game. But they won the game. And and the problem I had with this game was South Carolina. They tried to be cute in the first half and they didn't run the ball physically. Well, at halftime they came out and ran the ball down Central Florida's throat, used that size and power to to bully him really, and that's exactly what worked. I don't know. Spurrier, what he was doing first, maybe he was trying to wear him down to get to that point. But they almost put up 500 yards and 225 on the ground. Just a lot of balance from South Carolina. Central Florida, I don't think, has the depth, really, to play with a team like South Carolina. But very impressed with Central Florida, though. You know, their crowd turned out, and they fall hard. Yeah, absolutely. I was impressed with them. They actually were leading a little bit early in this game and, and looked good. And they, they you know, made a very valiant comeback there at the end, uh, losing by three. So, you know, Tarvin, moving on to our next game, you know, Oklahoma went into Notre Dame and pulled off what I think some people were surprised with, but not you and I. No, I mean, Notre Dame played within two touchdowns. That's about where I thought they would they would get beat. Notre Dame is not a good football team right now. They're finally out of the polls. They're 2-2. Two and two. They lost to Michigan, now Oklahoma. I mean, I just look at Oklahoma, and honestly, I'm not very impressed by them either after that game. I just don't like their offense, really. I don't think they're going to be able to beat a high-caliber team. Maybe in their conference they can, but are you sold on Oklahoma? Well, I mean, sold on Oklahoma, I mean, not really. I mean, this, you know, obviously Bell – uh, is, a, is a better quarterback, and I think he's made a difference in this offense. Uh, you know, Clay's a pretty good running back. I mean, but we'll, they still give up 21 points to uh, what I think is a, a pretty bad uh, Notre Dame offense. But, I mean, putting up 35 uh, on a decent defense, I like to see that at Oklahoma. I mean, Tarvin, with what happened to Oklahoma State is, I mean, Oklahoma now the clear favorite in the Big 12? I, I still think Oklahoma State can probably bounce back from that. That was the shocker of the day by far. I mean, I never saw that Oklahoma State-West uh, Virginia game coming at all, but I still think Oklahoma State's good enough. They have some talent. They can score points. I still think it's uh, that they can still win this conference. I think Oklahoma's going to slip up for time or two, really. Yeah, I mean, I think this this game kind of puts Oklahoma and what happened to Oklahoma State with West Virginia, and that's, uh, Clint Trinkett, the former FSU quarterback, was the one who led West Virginia in his first start to that victory. I know Jonathan probably has a little bit of chagrin with that one because he wasn't a big Clint Trinkett fan. But, uh, you know, so that was a big shocker of the day, Oklahoma State losing. But the way Oklahoma performed, Carmen, I look at them as now the favorite in the Big 12 for sure. I don't I – don't, they could be. Jonathan, do you think they're the favorite? I think Baylor is. I think Baylor should be, and I think they are the new Big 12 favorite. They are getting no respect from anybody. Baylor is going to beat Oklahoma this year, and after what I saw from Oklahoma State, a very dismal performance with West Virginia, Clint Trickett's not as good as the man about to be, and he didn't even have that great of a game. Baylor's obviously the clear, well, obvious to me, is a clear-cut favorite of the Big 12 Conference. I can't, I can't disagree with that, really. I mean, looking at that Baylor offense trade, these guys are exploding, but I still have questions about their defense. Yeah, I mean, who has better played on offense, really? I mean, they've been putting up great numbers, but they haven't done it against anybody that I'm impressed with yet. So, I mean, Baylor's great. Um, you know, I, I like I like some of their players. I think Seastrook's great. 
their quarterback is is sort of taking over from where uh, some guys left off last year. But you know they they still need to play somebody. Tarvin, we'll see what they do. I mean, they're a team that we're going to be talking about more uh, as they, their schedule gets a little more difficult. But I mean, yeah, certainly Baylor's on a bad answer right now. All right, we'll take us all. Well, Tarvin, in this next game, I mean. I thought that Wallace could score on any defense, Carvin. What happened? What happened with Wallace? Uh, he ran his mouth too much, um, and it didn't look like his his coach or his offense helped him at all. Really, I mean, Alabama shut them down running the football, and when they do that, it's just open season. I mean, Alabama's defense really stepped up last night, and it, it was because of Hugh Freeze's play calling. He had several chances to kick field goals and stay in the game, and he, he went for it on fourth down, put his team in a bad position. When you have 46 yards rushing on the road at Alabama, you're not going to win. I mean, you would think they would understand how to beat Alabama. You beat them vertical and you run the football, but they didn't do either of those. They kept trying to do two-yard passes and try to create space. They couldn't do it. Alabama was there. Very impressed with Bama's defense, not so much their offense. Yeah, I mean, the defense seemed to really come around. I mean, they had an answer for Wallace and an answer for what Hugh Freeze. I mean, I agree with you completely, Tarvin. Hugh Freeze plays like a coach, and we talked about this last week, was does he coach like a guy who's not supposed to be there? And he did. I think he coached like a guy who didn't think his team could win. He should have taken points. I agree with you on that one. You, you, take, the, you take the points, you, you, act, you act like you're there for a reason, and this team played scared, and I think, uh, it showed in the, in the score. I mean, they they could not come through when they really need to needed to for big you know big third downs, big plays, uh, because I felt like they just weren't ready for the stage. Yeah, Trey, I just got a message that that the people are trying to call in and they can't get through. Are you? No, you're not in the studio right now. I'm having a little delay in my studio right now, trying to refresh it and see what's going on. Just wanted to put that out there. If you're trying to call in right now, uh, I apologize. I can't see any callers in there besides us three right now. And uh, I've gotten two messages on Facebook that there's people in the queue. So I'm going to work on that real quick. But Alabama, Trey, I mean, they showed, you know, why they are the number one team in the country in a way until you beat them. How can you drop them, really? I know Oregon right now is playing the best football of anybody, but do you put Oregon ahead of Alabama right now? after that performance last night? No, I mean, I still have Alabama with one. I mean, you know, they're still playing, you know, pretty good football. They're beating just about everybody by 25 points. I mean, you're not, they're not playing close games other than that Texas A&M game. I mean, they're they're beating these teams. You know, I think people are, you know, saying that, you know, the world's coming to an end every time Bama, they, they try to fi- figure out a way that they're struggling. But they're they're beating people pretty good, Tarvin. Yeah, I mean, Alabama – a team that, that, you know, they use running the football that they haven't done in the past a few games, Trey. They're last in the SEC in rushing. Do you put a lot into 254 yards on the ground for Alabama? And a lot of it seemed like to me that one big run by Yeldon, but it seemed like in garbage time they were running when Ole Miss was tired. Maybe they quit. So are you putting a lot of stock in 254 yards on the ground? Well, I, I think Saban's a pretty good guy at holding his offense back when he needs to and then pounding when he needs to. I, I think they're figuring out some uh, some interesting things on the running. But, I mean, the thing is their offensive line had to figure things out, and they're starting to gel. I think that's what we're seeing. I think we're starting to see an offensive line that had to be completely rebuilt. 
and guys put in new places. I think we're starting to see that work a little bit better. Uh, and I think TJ Yeldon was the guy who was, I think, expecting the huge hole uh, in a lot of a lot of these games early on, and when he couldn't find it, he was getting frustrated. So I think now he's learning to run a little bit better as well. Yeldon was a guy who I was a little surprised that he wasn't having some success. I think he's starting to find it, Tarvin. They're starting to gel. Yeah, uh, maybe. I'm not ready, but Ole Miss goes to Auburn this weekend. Um, that's when that's when Wallace will look like uh, Archie Manning, Trey, is, is now after struggling like that. I think he'll bounce back against Auburn. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's certainly possible. I mean, we'll, I, I don't see him having two uh, games where he doesn't uh, put the ball in the end zone for sure. All right, well, the number two game, Ohio State-Wisconsin. Any surprise there? Ohio State took care of business. They won by a touchdown. Are you concerned with the Ohio State team at this point after that game? Well, you know, what I was surprised with in this game, and I guess, you know, Braxton Miller got all the, got the rocks for the entire game. Um Am I a little concerned with the Buckeyes play? I mean, a little bit. I mean, I think Wisconsin is, an, is a pretty decent football team. Uh, they give up a lot of yards to one receiver. I don't even know if I can pronounce his name, Tarvin Abracadabra is what I'll say. But, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, and this, I mean, so yeah, I think there is some concern for Ohio State. But, I mean, this is one of the few tests they have this year, and, and they won the game. That's all that matters. I mean, this is not a team that's going to get tested a whole lot and, and have a, a lot of opportunities for us to come back and say that we really can learn a lot from that, from a win. And we, we learned something from this win, but, you know, you know not a lot to, to really judge them against good competition. Well, I think we'll find out a lot more next week when game day is on the road at Northwestern. Uh, I think Northwestern is going to give them all they want. And I think we'll find out a lot about Ohio State next week, how they look. So, I mean, I'm excited about that game. I don't know if you are, but I never thought Wisconsin was going to come in and really beat Ohio State. They did rush the ball for 104. That surprised me. I thought they would run a little bit better than that. I didn't know Ohio State would almost double them in running, and Wisconsin had more passing yards than Ohio State, which is kind of surprising as well. Total yards, 399 for Wisconsin, 390 for Ohio State. But it kind of went opposite of what I thought, but the score was about where I thought it would be. So, at the end of the day, Urban Meyer is undefeated as the head coach of Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's impressive. I mean, the guy hasn't lost a football game yet since he took over at Ohio State. And, you know, competition, however it is you feel they've been playing, the guy still has won them all that they put in front of him. So, uh, congrats to Ohio State and its fans. But, Sarvin, the real game and really the only game that I think people were talking about after um, college football ended, uh, other than, you know, USC's coach getting axed in the parking lot was um, this LSU-Georgia game, which is sort of an instant classic, Tarvin. This game did not, uh, you know, we're talking about living up to hype. This one certainly did. Nobody came out of this this game wishing they saw more. I mean, 44 to 41, no more defense in the SEC, it seems, but a lot of offense. Yeah, I mean, what a great thriller it was. I was impressed with Mettenberger. I was impressed with Murray. I was impressed with a lot of things, except the defense. But sometimes, I mean, this day and age, the offenses are so much more ahead of the offenses and other, or the defenses, excuse me, and other conferences. Now it's finally caught up in the SEC. These offenses in the SEC are very good. These quarterbacks, this is a year where you see a lot of great senior or junior quarterbacks that have a lot of talent running, you know, certain kind of spread offenses in a way. But Mettenberger, to me, 
he was what really shined to me yesterday in that entire game. Aaron Murray, he got the win. He should have gotten the win at home, but I'm very, very impressed with Mettenberger, Trey, on the road. Yeah, I mean, he looked pretty good. I mean, this was a game where we got to see if his maturation and if he was for real this year, and I think he is. Um, you know, the other thing about, you know, players in this game was, Carvin, what about what do you think about Gurley and him leaving this game? Um, how much is that going to affect Georgia, and what, what's, what have you heard about Gurley? Well, I mean, I saw him run off the field, actually, and I think he tweaked his ankle, and they didn't want to chance it. Uh, maybe it was – it looked like his ankle or his knee. I couldn't. I can't remember. It was an ankle sprain, but it's hard to get out there not 100%. But the way Aaron Murray was throwing the football and these receivers were wide open, maybe they didn't want to chance it. Maybe until they really needed him, maybe they were holding him out. But Aaron Murray had no problem picking that LSU secondary apart. We talked about it on the show the other night. Auburn exposed LSU's weakness on defense. And Georgia is a team that can really expose it. So if Auburn exposes you in Baton Rouge, then Georgia's going to definitely expose you in Athens. So Aaron Murray lit that secondary up, and it was really who got the ball last trade. The only problem is LSU didn't have a lot of time left. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, this this game, you know, I'm impressed with Georgia uh, winning this football game. I mean, they legitimate. I mean, legitimately played three top 10 teams and they've won two of them. So, you know, Tarvin, you got to look at Georgia and they're, they're, they may be the best team in the SEC uh, outside of Alabama. And you look at LSU and you got to think, well, this team's pretty darn good too. So, you know, this is one of those games where you learn that both, um, both Georgia and LSU uh, are still very much in, in contention for the SEC crown. Yeah. I think Georgia's playing, the best football right now in the SEC. I know they lost early to Clemson on the road at night. Uh, that could have gone either way. But Georgia is a very, very dangerous football team. Looking at their schedule, they play on the road uh, next week at Tennessee, night game. Uh, I want to see how they play after a huge emotional win. I mean, you have people crying and uh, Mark Red crying, Aaron Murray. How do they play against a Tennessee team? Um, that came in with a win. They're three and two now. That's that's a big deal, Trey. Can they beat the teams they're supposed to beat? Looking at their schedule, Georgia should win their games, all of them. But that's why we get on the field and play it. Georgia looks like the favorite to end up in Atlanta. I'll, I'll put it that way. I had South Carolina when the season started. I'm I'm no longer believing that anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, South Carolina. We'll see. But uh, you know, Tarvin, tell me about. I guess. You know, now looking at after the games are up, who is your top five? Um, what, what's your reevaluation? Reevaluation is, you know, I, I put it out today. I just want to make sure I have it right. I have Oregon as the number one team in the land right now, guys. I mean, I'm not looking at last year. I'm not looking at the two years ago. I'm looking at right now what I see with my eyes. And Coach Lett's going to be with us in just a minute to talk about the falls. But looking at it right now, I have Oregon number one. I have Alabama two. I have Clemson three. I have Ohio State four. And I have Georgia five, guys. I mean, Georgia has moved up into the top five. Even with one loss, I'll put them ahead of Florida State, Stanford, Louisville, teams like that, just because of the schedule they played. You have to reward them a little bit for playing South Carolina, Clemson, and LSU already. Well, most teams haven't even gotten a chance to play anybody. So, Trey, I hope it's not as you know, I hope yours is not much different. 
Well, I have Alabama number one still, so we're different there. I got Oregon and solidly number two. You know, last last time we did this, I did not have Clemson at number three, but I do. I think that win against that win against Georgia looks better and better. I agree with you. The Georgia football team is is fantastic. Um, so I have Clemson number three. I think that's that's a solid pick. I got Cle- I got Stanford at four. Tarvin, I, I had them higher than you. I, I I know that you aren't sold on them yet. Uh, but I, I think that's going to be an epic showdown. So I have them at four. Uh, and I actually agree. I, I a little bit agree with you, Tarvin. I got Georgia at five right now, uh, but I have a very close five, uh, and really <laughs> over over Louisville and Ohio State, who I can't I can't pinpoint where I want to put them. But I have them at six and seven. So yeah, I, I have Georgia jumping up to five with the competition they've played. I agree with you. But after that, I got Ohio State, Louisville, but. Yeah, so Georgia, I have them in my top five as well, Herman. Well, I did put Texas A&M in my top ten. I put them at ten. Uh, Johnny Manziel, as long as he's on that field, those guys are probably going to win. So they they lost Alabama in an instant classic. So I have one, two, but three, four SEC teams in the top ten, and, and that's not a stretch right now. LSU's eight, in my opinion. I dropped them just a little bit because of their defense, but you can't really penalize a team going on the road to Georgia and losing the way they did. So LSU still up there in my top ten, Trey. And Coach Lett's on the line. Before we get going, we're going to bring Coach Lett on and, and talk about the, the big win yesterday. How's it going, Coach? Doing well. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. So Tell us about the, uh, the win yesterday. I know you guys got up real big yesterday and um, – South Alabama came back, and they're not a terrible football team, Coach. Those guys didn't quit. Uh, you got that right. They did not quit at all. Uh, we got up, I think it was 31-7 with a nine minutes left in the third quarter. And uh, a couple plays here and there, next thing you know, we have a ball game. Um, offensively, after we scored that 30, uh, 31st point, kind of stalled a little bit offensively, a couple three and outs. Uh, tip ball for a pick, just some kind of freakish plays that didn't go our way. And uh, next thing you know, we have a ball game. But that was, that was a good game. We needed a game like that to show to show our character, push the guys a little bit to the limit, and uh, see if any see our young guys play with the game on the line like that and have it come down to it. So it, it was a great learning experience. We're gonna build off of it. Well, watching the game, and I, I did watch a lot of it. I mean, your guys seem are, are your guys maybe mentally exhausted a little bit with the schedule y'all played and the two road trips back to back. Maybe coming home, getting up to an early lead. Do you think mentally you guys got out of the game a little bit? Well, Coach Jones brought up a good point, and especially when we're dealing with the uh, the younger kids, eighteen to twenty two, age group. You play a twelve game schedule, and most kids, most teams, you get up emotionally for about six, seven of them. The other five games, you got to rely on your habits to, uh, to to get you through those games because it may not be a rivalry game or it may be a noon game or it may be you just came off a long road trip game and you're just not up for it emotionally, and that's when you fall back on your habits. And right now we're playing a lot of young kids who don't have the habits to rely on when, they, when their emotions aren't into it or they're, they're not up for it, if you will. So right now we're still building on those habits and even developing those habits. So that's why you kind of saw us kind of tailor off towards the end there. But the good thing about it, uh, when the momentum started swinging, uh, 
they kept their composure for the most part. We found a way to win. Now that was that's huge for these young cats to uh, to have that happen, and it's also huge for Tennessee to start writing the ship. Yeah, well, what did Coach Jones have to say in the locker room after the game? I know it was. I mean, what was he hard on the guys uh, for almost letting one slip away, or was he encouraging to these younger guys? It was pretty encouraging. Anytime you win, it's great. Don't do do not ever diminish your win. They they have eighty five guys. South South Alabama has eighty five guys on scholarship, just like we have eighty five guys on scholarship. So do not diminish a win at all. Anytime you can win on Saturday, you take it. he was a little concerned with the mental preparation before the game uh, in the locker room and pregame and stuff like that, things of that nature, make sure we were 100% locked in. So he wasn't completely satisfied with that. But other than that, we felt as a staff, uh, you got to take the win. You got to take the W, be happy with it, learn from mistakes and build on it because it's easier to learn from mistakes from with a win than a loss. I, I totally agree, Trey. Hey, Coach, just want to add two things for you. One, uh, tell us about Neal. I mean, he put up some big numbers in this game, 25 attempts for 169 yards rushing and a touchdown. Uh, you know, you, you seem to have a lot of success running the football. Do you guys think that you're solving some of the things on offense? Uh, I think you're getting, you guys are seeing some improvement that you like to see? Uh, yes. Coach Gillespie, the running back, Coach, you're doing a phenomenal job. Each week we show our backs specific plays or cuts they miss. That was a four-yard gain. That should have been a 12-yard gain and things like that. And Rajon and Marlene really took heed to that. And uh, Rajon made the, some pretty good cuts for us. Right when the, the guard was pulling, he'll cut right off him. We call it trimming the fat. He trimmed right off the mm-hmm. fat of the guard. So he, he he's doing a phenomenal job finally seeing those cuts and not uh, making those plays. And uh, actually, Rajon Neal got offensive player of the week for us this uh, today. Yeah, he uh, he uh, he sprained his ankle right before halftime, and uh, he was like, "Coach, I'm still going. Coach, I'm still going." So he sucked it up for us. Had some big time runs for us. Some big time runs. Receiver did a pretty good job blocking downfield. He actually came to the receiver room today. Rajon Neal did it. Thanked all the receivers for blocking down the field. So it was a great day as far as running the ball. And like I said, back in the summertime, our, our old line is our heart of our team and the muscle of our team. So we're gonna we're gonna get behind them and uh play some ball behind those big guys. And, and Coach, my other question is, is is for you is, you know, it seems like every Saturday I see that Tennessee is put on upset alert by somebody on ESPN, and I'm not going to say who it is, Coach, but is that <laughs> something that you guys see every week and put on your bulletin board? Because it, it seems like I see it every week, and I don't know if it's just me or if it's something you're seeing too. Uh, We don't we don't pay too much attention to it. The only time we really paid attention to it was – I think it was week two when Mark May put us on upset alert when we played Western Kentucky. That kind of got the guys a little fired up. But we know we have a lot of critics. We we know we're playing a lot of young guys. And uh, Coach Jones actually brought up a very interesting stat. Uh, can't remember exactly, but I think the last five years, Tennessee is like number 68 in total wins, which is unlike us, unlike the, the great tradition that Tennessee has. And that's why right now people are picking – Picking us as underdogs here and there, and the SEC is really loaded. So rightfully so, they're trying to pick the hot guys, the hot favorites, uh, the hot teams. But our guys are going to just keep plugging away. And at the end of the day, you got to play the game. At the end of the day, you got to play the game. Well, absolutely, Coach. I mean, it just seems to be something that I don't know why. I don't know why you guys are getting so much love on that one, but 
I, I thought you, the, you guys really really looked good on the running, and I think Worley looks better to me, at least in, in my eyes. I think he looks like he's showing improvement. So, Coach, I think you guys uh, have to be happy with some of the stuff you're seeing, at least on, on offense. We're starting quick, slowly but surely. Like I said, uh, all three receivers that are starting, uh, Howard, Smith, and North, this is their first year playing football. Howard and uh, Howard being a red shirt, and Smith and North being two true freshmen. And even Crone, who rotates in there with Smith, he's also a redshirt freshman. So we have four receivers who did not play a lick of ball last year. So as they're starting to gel and understand the game and get more familiar with the offense and the schemes, and our coach, always, the offense coordinator, always says, understand the why of the player. Why is he talking this play? What kind of stretch he's trying to get? What kind of look he's trying to get? And they're starting to understand that. starting to have a better understanding of coverages of what they're seeing every Saturday. And, uh, each week we're trying to build on the previous week as far as offensively. We just got to get rid of these turnovers, and I think we're going to be okay. Worley gets a lot of flack for some of the turnovers, which is not his fault. Two of them were completely right where the ball needs to be thrown. We Receivers, we just need to be there. So Worley's doing a pretty good job for us. He's a very smart kid, has a cannon of an arm. And uh, offensively, we're going to just keep getting better every week and just try to find the plays that we're, that's clicking for us and get the ball with our playmakers. Well, Coach, man, it's it's been a pleasure to have you on. But do me a favor this week when you go back to practice, tell the guys to please, please beat Georgia for us, please. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh we we would do our best. Georgia's a very very impressive team. We just spent the, actually we've been watching them since one o'clock today, and uh, they are very impressive on defense. And people forgot. I heard you guys talking about Georgia and LSU and the lack of defense that was in that game yesterday. You got to remember, there's like six or seven guys playing on Sunday that was on Georgia's defense last year, so they just they just reloaded. There's four freshmen, true freshmen, playing for Georgia right now on defense. So they're going. It's defense in the SEC, just some, some young defense, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> so they they got some freakish guys out there. There's some six foot five guys. Some they got some big guys out there. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good challenge for us. It's gonna, it's gonna be fun to see some. Uh, some big guys out there in the Eagles Stadium. 105 going to be out there. It's going to be a great atmosphere, and we're looking forward to it. Well, hopefully we can see you Wednesday night. If you have time, please come on. Let's preview this game and tell tell Coach Jones and the team we said good luck here. I right, appreciate you guys. You have a wonderful night. You too, right, Coach. You too, Coach. Thanks. Well, you made a good point, Trey. I mean, LSU and Georgia, both you look at NFL, a lot of their players left and went to the NFL, so – they are young. They're going to give up some points, especially when you have offenses as as complex and as you know just smart quarterbacks. They're going to make these freshmen look foolish in a way. But it just goes to show LSU and Georgia how good they're going to be in the next few years once these guys grow up. So Trey, anything before we go? No, I just you know we got playoff baseball, which is great. Um, and then I was looking at the. Um, the games for next week, Tarvin, there's there's six six or seven solid games that just glancing I already have in mind for our top ten. So that's not even trying to dig to find, you know, good good matchups, man. There's some good games next week. Uh and and I'm excited about next week already. I know Oregon, Colorado will be your number one game, Trey, so we'll go ahead and mark that <laughs> down. But Paul Paul wants to give a shout out to Florida backup quarterback or now starting quarterback, Tyler Murphy. He came in and set a Florida record for 13 consecutive completions. I never thought that would happen. I thought that was broken sometime when 
when Steve Spurrier was the coach with Danny Werfel. I didn't think this kid held the record, Trey. Yeah, that's it's impressive. That is. So the Gators had a big win yesterday on the road. They look better. If they can get it going, they're going to be scary with that defense. So we'll watch out for the Gators. Maybe that loss to Miami was just what the doctor ordered to get yeah, these guys yeah. going. And uh, well, yeah, I'll tell you, Tarvin, uh, show. Arkansas and Florida will be on my list. I'll go ahead and tell you that right now, Tarvin. Okay. We'll put them at number 11. <laughs> top 10. Now, that'll be a good game. And uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We will be staff picked tonight at midnight, so make sure uh, check us out. We've had a great show, and Wednesday night we're going to crank it up again. Uh, we got some baseball to talk about, too, Wednesday night. So make sure you join us. And, Trey, great job as always. Thanks, Jonathan and, and Coach Lett for calling in. Everybody in the chat room, Paul, Jason, Bruce. Um, I'm missing a couple, Brian Burgess. But we'll see you Wednesday Jonathan, night, guys. Have yeah. A great, have a, yeah, Jonathan, have a great week. See you guys. Thank you.